0: Hey Rebel Rouser, I'm Alan Voivod and this is Star Wars 7x7. We are at episode number 1526. What a mouthful (laughs) that just keeps getting bigger and bigger. Well, you know, that's how it goes when you do it daily. Anyway, thank you for joining me for this episode. If you're a subscriber, thank you so much for subscribing. And thank you so much for supporting the the, uh, podcast on Patreon as well. Now, we are in the middle of talking about Last Shot, the novel by Daniel Jose Older, and reconstructing it in chronological order. And finally, now we're going to talk about Han Solo's appearance and what he has to do with this whole phalanx redux transmitter situation. Again, we are multiple months out from the release of this novel, so, you know, the spoiler warning is here, but do you really need it? Probably not at this point, but... Yeah, there's some interesting stuff about Han and also about a couple of supporting characters here as well that are in play no matter where you happen to be in terms of your relationship to stories in the canon and all that. Let's start off with our first of our top seven takeaways. The fact that where we find Han Solo in this section, he is pining away and saying that he has never felt more shattered in his life because of some female entanglement the likes of which we are not given the details. Now, this is supposed to take place 10 years before the now events of the novel, which means that we're supposed to be looking between two and three years before the Battle of Yavin. And so this would be further along from the events of Solo, a Star Wars story. It should be about, you know, five, six, seven, eight years away from that. So it would be unusual to think that this has something to do with Kira unless he had some other run-in with Kira at that point and he's just coming off the heels of that or if it's, you know, some other female entanglement that we don't know about just yet. We're not given the details. We're not even given a hint as to who might have been involved but just as far as it having anything to do with Kira and the events of Solo, A Star Wars Story, well, the only way that makes sense is if they had their paths cross again just before this particular section in the novel started and we just don't know that story yet. Top takeaway number two is the appearance of a character who first debuted in the comics and made quite a splash. That would be Son of Staros and you might remember her from the big flare-up where everybody thought that Han had been previously married before he ever met Princess Leia and it turned out that the marriage was one big con or at least it was part of them pulling off a con together and Sunna's appearance here based on the context that we're given it doesn't sound like whatever that marriage con was it doesn't sound like that's happened yet though they have crossed paths before themselves and Sunna is looking for Han because she needs help picking up a package and delivering it to someone else and needs a fast ship to do it. And she's got a bit of a problem with that whole scenario because there are a lot of people after her. Why, you might ask? Well, that would have to do with our top takeaway number three. And that has to do with the fact that Sunna was actually at that auction that we talked about in yesterday's episode, where all of the different criminal syndicates, along with some other organizations, were trying to get a hold of the Phalanx. And she was there to witness the craziness that resulted when Faizengor turned the droids On the heads of wandering star and as far as anybody knows the phalanx has disappeared into the wind and so she's trying to get a hold of it she does tell Han that Crimson Dawn at the time had the highest bid but she won't tell Han who's actually hired her to go get this thing however it turns out in our fourth top takeaway she's working with another organization that We haven't heard of yet called the Parappa Cartel, and she's actually kidnapped, or borrowed, as she likes to call it, their leader, Mozine, who is a very tiny creature who looks and sounds, well, I'm saying looks, but, you know, just based on the impression that he gives in the novel... It sounds like you could imagine him as being a little bit like Plankton from Spongebob Squarepants but talking with a voice like John Cleese's French (laughs) army guy from Monty Python and the Holy Grail like I'm French you know why do you think I have these outrageous accents like you can absolutely hear Moseen's dialogue in that tone of voice. And Mozine's Parappa cartel has apparently tracked the device to a satellite-orbiting Hosnian Prime in a diner-slash-motel thing where they figure whoever has the phalanx must be hiding out trying to plan his or her or its next move. And I've been joined by a special guest all of a sudden. Boom. Here's scorekeeper Declan, who hasn't been on the show in far too long. How you doing, handsome? Great excellent. So your fifth top takeaway is the fact that when Han and Chewie get to this place, Frirago's Satellite Diner and Motel, they manage to find Gore but he goes on the run naturally, and they manage to track him down, and he thinks he's going to get away successfully. Meanwhile, the Empire has shown up as well, and Stormtroopers have pinned him down. But he tries to launch the phalanx away, and Sana flies over with the Millennium Falcon and picks it up much to fizen's great anguish and the stormtroopers manage to capture him. So that's your fifth one. The sixth top takeaway is that ultimately Sunna is trying to sell this off to the droid Guttra. That's that um, droid criminal syndicate organization that we've talked about and it seems like it's going to be a little bit more of a thing in Star Wars fiction so who knows maybe we'll start seeing it in TV and movies too but here's the problem. The droid Gator doesn't want to pay, they just want to take the thing, and of course the Parappa cartel, in the form of Plankton himself, Mozine, and also his other gang members, and I should point out that they show up in these giant mech suits that basically might remind you of Uh, John Boyega and Pacific Rim, essentially, except, you know, little plankton-sized creatures inside them show up. And so there's a huge showdown with laser blasts inside the Millennium Falcon and everything over this phalanx thing, because both of these organizations are trying to get it. Now, what actually happens to the phylax is our seventh top takeaway from the episode, and I'm going to share that with you after the break. Stay tuned. Hey, Rebel Rouser. Have you ever wanted to take a land speeder for a spin, or maybe even the Millennium Falcon itself? Well, here's the next best thing, you can make your own custom Solo A Star Wars Story-inspired Nissan with the Best in Galaxy customizer. Just go to SW7X7.com custom to customize and share your own Star Wars-inspired vehicle. And don't forget, Solo A Star Wars Story is coming home on digital September 14th, Blu-ray September 25th, and new on 4K Ultra HD as well. Welcome back! All right. So our seventh top takeaway is what happens to the phalanx thing in the midst of all of this. So Han apparently takes a cue from Sana and thinks that he knows what he's doing or what she wants him to do. And so he actually has this phalanx transmitter and he stuffs it down a garbage chute and launches it out of the Falcon. And Sana is like, tell me you didn't really launched this thing out of there that it was just a decoy or something like that and he goes "Uh, I thought that's what you wanted me to do and she's like "Like it's a real facepalm moment and she says please take me back to Takadana because I have to deal with this and so that's pretty much how the solo side of this story ends so Basically, the Phalanx Redux Transmitter, as of 10 years before the story that happens in the real time for Last Shot, this novel, is floating in space, having been ejected by Han into the middle of nowhere, and the Parappa cartel and the droid Gatra are chasing it, trying to see who can get to it first. We don't know who actually gets to it, but we're going to find out, probably, maybe, when we talk about the Now section of the novel, which we're going to do over the next episode or two. So, that is going to do it for today's episode. And if you are not subscribing to the podcast, then by all means do wherever you happen to like to catch it. If you're not supporting the podcast itself, then I hope you find it of value to the point where you decide to put something in the tip jar at patreon.com sw7x7. That's patreo dot sw7x7. For now, though, it just remains for me to say Thank you so much for joining me for this episode. Scorekeeper Declan, thank you so much for joining me for this episode. You're welcome. (laughs) And may the Force be with you wherever in the world you may be. Bye. This podcast is not endorsed or sponsored yet by Lucasfilm Limited, Disney, or 20th Century Fox and is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, all names and pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited or their respective trademark and copyright holders. May the Force be with them. All original content is copyright 2018 Star Wars 7 by 7 We hope you love it.